This is the sports show we've all been waiting for. Connoisseurs of sport features two sports enthusiasts who go beyond statistics to help you interpret the sports you love in new and refreshing ways. The scouts will help you spot players and teams that have the makings of true greatness without having to rely solely on fickle statistics. And the GM will help you understand how what goes on behind the scenes translates into what happens on court or on the field. Get ready, because no one else does it like the connoisseurs of sport. Episode 26. Welcome back, connoisseurs of sport. We are back. I have the scout with me. I am the GM. Scout, how are you feeling this morning? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, Got to talk some Super Bowl today, I heard, right? Yes, this is uh, a week before the Super Bowl. Uh, I guess we're filling this time in with press conferences of lies and, <laughs> and untruths and all that filler stuff that the press likes to hear and print for us uh, common folk. <laughs> yeah, you mean like the, the media day uh, 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 situation? Well, you know, it's um, I think they, 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 they're looking for quotes. They want to build stories out of it, right? So they want to get someone saying something that's incendiary to maybe the sort of other team responds to it. But it's yeah. been really um, polite so far. Yeah, I think um, we have two respectful uh teams here with well, players, coaches. Well, that's true. We've talked well, about some I would people. Say we have two we have two two fire starters uh, on each side. We have Vaughn Miller, right, who yes. has a tendency to say some wacky things some sometimes. And then you have um, the well chronicled Josh Norman, who has seemed to calm down um after the giant game. We'll just call it that. Yeah, it's been, um, it's been a little yeah. calmer with him lately. So that, yeah, it's it nice. Um, and I'm sure the coaches are like giving them their pre, uh, you know, before you go out there, I don't want any of this going on type stuff. Yeah, he may have gotten called into the office after that game because it was so out of hand. And we talked about that, <laughs> right, but that right. may have had something to do with, um, you know, the behavior. Now he's still playing great. I mean, that was never a question, the way he was playing. Right. Um, so he's kind of, you know, which is good to see. I like to see, I like to see that where we're not focusing on some of the crazy stuff. Right. <laughs> call it that. So. And that's what we like to focus on yeah. here a lot yeah. more is the... Again, the trash talk in within the game, within the lines. I get that. That's fine. But as we, you know, again, just quickly, it was a lot of stuff that was going on outside of that. Right. Uh, right. Media stuff. So, yeah. So, you know, it, it's good for, for us. We like to see... But it's the Super Bowl. It's here. Finally, it got here. Yes. Uh, we have the Carolina Panthers versus the Denver Broncos. Is that who's playing? That's who's playing. Um, <laughs> and I think what I want to start with is a general overall perspective. I'm going to give you the general GM overall perspective of what I see here. Okay. And we can dive in a little more however we see fit. Uh, however you see fit and um, I'll just you know we'll just go from there so spitballing here we have we'll start with Denver Denver side we have uh, Denver who a lot of what you hear now it, it would have been several years ago we've been Peyton Manning Peyton Manning Peyton Manning and we're here still hearing that but what we hear is this defense in Denver this yes. dominating defense yes which is great because on the other side, which we'll get to, is Carolina, is that offense is playing out of its mind or more Cam Newton type thing is playing out of its mind. But And the defense <laughs> as well. Uh, but we'll get to that. So where we would have heard nothing but Peyton Manning. Now, this is, I guess, his kind of farewell tour, I guess, because I guess there's you know a lot of talk that this is going to be his last hoorah. Um, yeah, I believe possibly. that stemmed from they caught – uh, um, a post-game discussion, you know, the middle of the field, end of the game, pleasantries. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he and Belichick writing something about my last rodeo, and that turned into a big story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and really, should it not be his last rodeo? I think I heard. <laughs> I think I heard going into the playoffs, maybe it was something like seven touchdowns and eighteen interceptions. Yeah, I think his last rodeo may have been last year. <laughs> right, right. 
he's right now he's riding the horse. Yeah, he's the walking dead right now. Right, right. So, so we know Peyton Manning is not playing well. I don't care how you try to turn this. Yes, he threw his two touchdowns and no interceptions last yeah. week. Um, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. To Owen Daniels. So I'm just I'm just pointing out the fact that um you know we have Peyton and let's not forget the struggles that Peyton has in the playoffs and these big game situations where it seems that he changes what he's doing. He loses that aggressiveness and he tries to he's more passive and it costs him. Yeah, you know, I could, yes, that's a good thing you bring up. And, and I believe what you're saying is even in his prime. Yes. He, he tended to, I like to explain that this way, because sometimes you say things like that and, and, and it sounds like you're slandering. Okay. Uh, and I like to put it this way. I, I, Peyton Manning, there's a regular season Peyton Manning, like you said, then there's a playoff Peyton Manning, even right. throughout his career. Right. And the thing with that is, he plays at a certain level in the regular season, which is all world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in the playoffs, he doesn't play to that level. It doesn't mean he completely tanks all the time. It's just right. he's not the guy you see in the regular season. And since the teams he's on, save for the one he's on now, is built around him playing super elite football. They struggle in the playoffs because he 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 takes a dip in his production. And my theory on that is he is so in control of the offenses. Um, all, he's involved in game planning. If you read some of the stories, um, he checks everything off. He's he's really coaching on the field, and I think even more so than some of the guys who do that. Even more so than the Tom Brady, he has more control over his offenses than any quarterback. Right. Agree. And when you add pressure into the mix and you're thinking, yes, and the other team is jacked up because you're playing for all the marbles, yep, you can second guess, you can hesitate a beat longer sometimes, rather in comparison to the regular season where you're just letting it fly, letting it fly, it's less right. at stake. Right. Um, that's always been my theory on him. And the interesting thing is, if you look at his brother, his brother couldn't care less what the game situation is. That's true. That's true. We see it. And it's oh, paid yeah. off. Oh, it's the fourth quarter. We're down two, really? Okay, so. Right. And right. I think when you when you play that freely, especially in crunch when 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 crunch time situations are no different than regular situations yeah. for a guy, yeah. that's when he's able to make those plays, I believe. And I think Peyton overthinks. Right. It's a mentality thing with yes. Peyton. We've seen it. And I used to say it like this. Uh, in regular season, Peyton was a slasher throat. If we're up by 21, I have no problem throwing my sixth touchdown mm-hmm. uh, to go up by 28. Mm-hmm. In the playoffs, you you just do not see that with him. It is a different mentality. He is, and, and Brady's another guy that has that same mentality that carries from one regular season game week three to the same that he would be in week two of the playoffs. Yeah, right. Or the Super Bowl. He's the same. Right. Or the he Super Bowl. He exactly. raises his level right. in, in the big moment, just like Eli does. That's why, and I think you agree, um, between the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady bit is Tom Brady hands down oh, here, right? It's not because even, of those yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, because Peyton just doesn't perform at that level that in up. those right, big right. moments. Right. And it's it's like, you know, uh, he's made a career out of making tough throws, right? Tight window throws, and you'll see in those cr- in in the playoffs, in the bigger moments, he hesitates on those. He's he's more cautious, and we're talking again. We're talking about prime Peyton Manning. Right, he right. was the guy. Right. Um, and whenever you're you're making high risk throws, which he does, and has made a career out of it, you cannot hesitate. Not so it really takes not in these situations where now no. you're playing elite teams. Nope. Yeah, right, right, right. This is the best of the best. There's no room for that, Eric. So, moving forward, I say this. Now, add on that where Peyton is playing like he truly is 39 years old, and um, he's lost some of that whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You have, now, you bring in this HGH investigation Uh that the NFL is going to do. Now, this is the 
this is the NFL's golden boy. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning is the epitome of a of a golden boy of any sport. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if I've ever heard a negative thing ever said about Peyton Manning ever. No, I I can't I can't I think, think of anything. No. Um, but now we have the NFL who is going to investigate this HGH thing. So this has got to be in his head as well. I you know he's a human being. You're being investigated. He's a thoughtful human. He, his attention, to, he, the reason he's great is it's a double edged sword with him. The reason he's great is also his downfall and crunch, and crunch time. Right, exactly. With his mind, he's an intellectual kind of player. He's always right. thinking. And when those moments get bigger, you can't, you got to just rely on your preparation and let it fly. Yeah. So I like don't the, Like the guy on the other side in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Can't. Right. Yep, which we'll get to. I don't yep. want to focus too much on the HDH thing. I just want to mention that that has to be there in a guy like Peyton, Peyton Manning's yeah. mind. That's got to fact. be there. And I'm just going to give you my personal standpoint is I think there's some validity to it. I don't think something like this comes from the NFL investigating him without any validity. I think something is going on here. Right. And, and even when we say that, we know that's part of the game. Yes, and that's a and whole other the, show too. Yeah, not right. Not to go down this rabbit hole, but I don't care. Right, um, I know, I know. I said that's I'll a whole other show. You know, I have a radical opinion on this, where I think these guys are put in harm's way. They're beat up. They, they, you know, they're playing with injury, um, surgeries in the off season. Even the ones guys. If you read, you really read certain things, they say pretty much everyone has surgery in the offseason. They just don't report at all. Right, right. So my take on this briefly is why not allow them to use HGH or some kind of heal, something that helps them heal faster. To promote healing. To bring them back. Yes. I'm not saying you let them use it when they're healthy or on the field. Yeah, I'm saying if they go into, if you, if you file paperwork, hey, this guy's injured, he's out four to six weeks. Why can't they use certain, you know, sanctioned or things that are used in real life. As we know, steroids are used in, 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 in different for different illnesses and things like that, right? Right, right. In real life. So why is that not an option? The NFL can monitor it. So, uh, so I was going to say, and so I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but no. I was going to argue, is there side effects that the NFL is worried about? You know, it, you know, we got concussions and all these things. <laughs> it's it's just another thing that down no. the line could be used against them no. if they allow this type of thing. Not any more than what they do now. Right. Okay. No. So let's not go that route. No, um, I mean, that's, like you said, that's another show. It is. That's a whole other show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. So we talked about Peyton. He has some weapons in Emmanuel Sanders and uh, 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 Demarius. There we yeah. go. Um, and he's not playing well, by the way. He's really hit a funky patch here. Yeah, he has. He's he's yeah. an interesting talk as well at some other point. Um, but so he has some really good receivers. Um mm-hmm. And then we have the struggles, and we have Denver's defense, like we said, with their number one. Okay, hop on to the other side. We have Cam, who is playing out of his mind. Let me say this. Before we jump, I do want to reinforce that Peyton Manning now is more of a game manager type. Right, right. right. He's not not even expected to do what he used to do. That's correct. He's out there to not make mistakes. Yeah. And the left defense, right? They're, they're playing a different game where they're relying on their defense. They have their run game with Hillman and um, CJ Anderson. They mix that in, so they're really playing a, a, a slow down, uh, old school style game versus the fast break kind of style you're used to seeing with Peyton Manning. Right, teams. So the throw slash and pace. Right, has been reduced. So I, that I, I think that helps. First of all, with what we talked about with him being, he can kind of get the jitters. Right, yeah. I think yeah. that helps with that, and also helps mitigate. Um, his his decline. Yeah. I'll just see that, right? So, and I will add this: you're saying that he's more that game manager role mm-hmm. uh, to not make mistakes. And mm-hmm. I guess my point is he's he hasn't even done that well. That's true, right? He has uh, made leading up to this, and yeah. that's gonna that's gonna kind of tie into my conclusion here, and I'll get to pretty quickly. Uh, but we got on the other side, we got Cam playing out of his mind. Um, we got Carolina's defense is. I'll, I'll say maybe as good as any defense in the league right now. They're playing well. I mean, I guess the argument would be versus Denver, which is great. We have that matchup. So I guess Seattle would have been a contender. In that Seattle would be there, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but 
Carolina is playing well, probably best middle linebacker in the league. And Luke Keekly, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a, I don't know how we can argue that at this point. But anyway, um, so the match, where I'm going, where I'm going with this is, and we, we'll, we'll get a little deeper is, but I don't see how Carolina loses this game. If we have two really good defenses or two of the top three defenses or the best defenses, we have a guy who's a game manager who's, uh, declining, who doesn't play as good in these type situations, and has got an HDH on the back of his mind. And we have Cam, who's having fun, um, and is playing absolutely out of his mind, inarguably the lead MVP, if you're into awards and all those things. Um, yes, he's playing with Ted Ginn and Philly Brown. He has Greg Olson. Jonathan Stewart's been really, really good. Mm-hmm. There's many options in that offense of what they can do. And Cam has shown that he can do it all. So my conclusion is this. Overall conclusion, how is it possible that Carolina loses this game? I don't see any way how they lose this game. Yeah, I don't see it. Um, because I think the, the key matchup here, obviously, like you said, is, is that Denver defense and their multiplicity, their flexibility, diversity, whatever words you want to use, versus an offense that is really unique in the history of the game as far as the dimensions that they throw at you um, with their run game, first of all. Okay. Um, and again, the world revolved, the Panther, the Carolina Panther world offensively revolves around Cam Newton. Right. Um, he's the joker. He's the wild card. He is, and I think people have gone on record, Pete Carroll, um, Wade Phillips in his presser that they've never seen anyone like this guy. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it, he's it, right. Wade a lot of guys. Right, Wade Phillips kind of went into um, detail on it, it because, and you know, I've talked about it incessantly, his development as a pocket passer. Yes. And so you have a guy who's 6'5", 250, can take the pounding when he runs the football. Really, they use him like a running back in the run game. So he's not... He's not what you've seen with the, the traditional running quarterbacks. You know, even guys in the league now, you have a Russell Wilson or a, um, you think of Robert Griffin III, or, or even if you go back to the gold standard of runners with um, a Mike Vick. Yeah. Right. Donovan McNabb. Um, right. Right. And Donovan's probably the guy that really decided to become a pocket passer and, and not rely on, rely on his running. And Cam Newton. Um, Did he decide that or was it forced upon him? Isn't that a whole other argument well, there? I think, yeah, I think, I mean, we're talking historically, that was a different time where yeah. um, you didn't have, it wasn't accepted that you could run this read option stuff and be successful in the NFL. Right. No right. one wanted their quarterback to take hits, right? Yeah. Well, they still don't. Um, so, but the thing with Cam is he can take the hits. He can do it, right. right. So Carolina has no issue running him in between the tackles. Right. Or, uh, I mean, they even run. Uh, they they pull they pull linemen, okay, to run Cam Newton like he is a feature back. I know it's awesome. You know, it's it, so it's awesome. Not, right? But when it's a pass play, okay, he doesn't take off or abort the play. He plays sound quarterback from the pocket, and yeah. it's just an impossible thing. That kind of diversity. I mean, because normally when you have a guy like that, you know, the, the simple thing, not the simple thing to do, but the 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 low-hanging fruit as far as defending that is you devote a guy to spy, right? right. Whether it be a DB or whatever, you know, whomever, you, you devote a linebacker to that. But you lose that guy, okay, right, in, in your defense, really, because he's devoted to that. Right. Well, you can get away with that if a guy isn't as adept from the pocket. Right, but Cam is. But That's why you'll see sometimes you'll see, yeah, you'll see guys wide open in the middle of the field, right? Well, <laughs> for that, you know, right. so he is completely unique. I mean, just just if you look at their offense, they had the top scoring offense this year. Um, they ran the ball the most, thirty two, really thirty three rush attempts per game, and Cam is out of that. And you know, he's the star, he's the what is the straw that stirs the drink? I think is the saying. Nineteen nice. rushing touchdowns. Um, uh, the most first downs by Rush. I mean, it goes on and on and on yards per game. So, um, and again, the thing, and just to, if we want to dive in and kind of unpack their run game, what makes them so difficult is it's so many dimensions to it. You have the read option. Um, you have, again, you have design run plays with Cam. And I don't mean 
design sweeps or something where the guy's outside, he will run power plays. Right, right. You know, but they'll pull the guard. They'll pull, you know, they'll pull maybe the backside tackle. They have this thing going on with Greg Olson, but sometimes he'll 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 do what's called a slice block, where he'll come across the formation and, and, and kind of you know pick up a guy, um, or you'll have uh, they use their receivers in the run game. Yeah, um, which kind of led up. I kind of see why they like bigger receivers. If you remember the back-to-back drafts where they had um, Calvin Benjamin, who um, is on the shelf right now, but who's a mammoth receiver. Huge, and then they yeah. took, right, they took Funches this year. You kind of understand why. And and Jericho uh, Kachery is, is is a great blocking receiver as well. Right, right. So um, you kind of see what's going on. Did they use them? Um, that's as far as the block, but then about then you then what about Ted Ginn? They bring him around as far as a threat running yes. as well. It it and really it's almost difficult to talk about all these things. And I mean, it's, we'll be here all night, but I'll 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 put it to you this way. So many first dimensions. of all, it starts with okay if they're running the read option stuff right. The the traditionally, and this is read option football, right? The lineman's going to try to the line, the offensive lineman going to try to wash the defensive line down, and they leave a guy unblocked. That whether that be the backside linebacker or the backside defensive end, okay. right? Then you have Cam Newton and the running back, where you have the the read fake, right? Right, where Cam he's deciding it, right? Cam's job they call it the read option because Cam is reading that unblocked defender. Okay. If he crashes down on the running back, he pulls it and he goes outside. Okay. If he's hedging and he and, and he, he he wants to take away the outside, you just you let Stewart go up underneath him. Right. So you give it to Stewart. Right. Right. So they consider that to be blocked. Okay. Even though he's left uh-huh. unblocked, right? They right. consider that option to be that guy's blocked because he can't he can't take both guys. Right. Right. So fine. That's fine. You you run that. You have your misdirection. Okay, and, and you run that. But what they'll do is, and we saw this in the Cardinal game, right? They've yes. been running their receivers. Um, it, 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 yes, opposite of that action. If for nothing else, then the hold to pursuit, the pursuit. But then, boom, they handed it off to take in on the end around off of that action. So you have everyone flowing to this read option, yep. right? And then you have a guy who is a, a punt returner, right? I call him that all the time, yeah. right? Who's gonna kill you in the broken field? That's what he does. Then you run an end around off of that, and everyone's flowing to the ball, and it's a disaster on the backside. Yep, took it to the house. You put this stuff on film. Defensive coaches see this, and they they the threat of it. You go, okay, well, what do I do about this? Right, and that's just the read option. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, they'll put receivers in the backfield. They'll put they'll put Greg Olson in the backfield. And he's part of the run game as far as his, you know, I mean he's a great pass catcher, but he's also because of his mobility. You gotta remember their their, their linemen move very well, so they pull him a lot when you get into the power game as well. But Greg Olson as a pass catcher, he's a nimble tight end, right? We'll agree he's a very he moves very well. That also helps yes. you in blocking as well. Yep. He can get to guys. Right, he can change direction. He can adjust who he's blocking. Okay, if the angle's bad, so it, it, that's just the read option. Then we get into the power traditional power game where they're pulling linemen. Okay, yes. in and of itself, that's a problem. And also, and they're when create lanes, and that's the Jonathan Stewart comes in. Uh, yes, I, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head. Do you know what Jonathan Stewart did this year under that attack at all? Um, I, oh, I, I, I know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think he. Cause I, I really, actually, I should have. I should have looked at. It. I know now's not the time, but I, I really would. That's something I'm going to take a look at. But I really would like right. to know how he bounced back this year. And because um, you and I were a huge Jonathan Stewart believers from the beginning. Yes, back and coming in, in from Oregon. Back in yeah. here, you know, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, was a featured back and he handled the load very well. Now, along the way, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. In fact, right. he's dealing with an ankle injury now. He's going to be fine for the Super Bowl. He was fine last week. Uh, but I think he left, he left the game the week before gimping, but you know, they had a nice lead. He didn't, he never returned. Uh, but it, it seems like Jonathan Stewart is always kind of dealing with something here or there, but, uh, yeah, I think he's he really player he was. 
I don't think he's, that, that, he's not the explosive player he was. I mean, this guy was really a, as far as a talent, was right. an elite running back talent. Before, and then he had a lot of foot injuries, ankle problems, um, which kind of, I think, turned him or, or reduced his explosive play. But um, he is still all, all every bit of the power running he was. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at him. You know, he didn't get to 1,000 this year. He had uh, 989 yards. Now, again, he missed what? two or three games. I think they shut him down toward the end of the season. They did. They did. Yeah. yeah. Six touchdowns. So he, but he's really a supplement to, again, going back to Cam Newton. Yeah. That's um, why I wanted to point that out. Of, yeah. Let's not forget the talent that's there as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like it's some throwaway guy at running back. Is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really right. want to, like, he is such a key to that offense. I think if he goes down, I think there's less success with Cameron Artist Payne, who's filled in nicely uh, here and there for for Jay Stu, but um, but I, I just didn't want to you know breeze over Jonathan Stewart because plus you and I are a huge believer in Jonathan Stewart. We've always liked him. So, well, that's the loss they had. Stu- Stewart sat against Atlanta. He didn't play that game. So I mean, you can make it that what you will, but. Right. Um, you know, it's one loss, so it's hard to say, hey, they lost because John, Johnny Stewart didn't play. But, you know, nevertheless, that's what happened. Yes. Um, again, you have Mike Tolbert, who is a unique bowling ball style, but also, <laughs> right. but also, you know, he's a power player, but he also catches the ball very well. And Stewart does, does this too. too. Yeah. So you're looking at an offense that has not only are they scheme wise diverse, uh, with Mike Shula calling the plays over there and coordinating that. Um, organized confusion, yeah. um, but you also have diversity within your players. A talent diversity, right? We talked about Greg Olson, um, his movement, and you know, being an elite pass catcher, but also being able to um, um, help out or more than help out with the run game. Um, Johnny Stewart and Mike Tolbert, you know, power backs who also can catch the ball out of the backfield, so they put pressure on you that way, which makes it hard to match up. How do you match your personnel to that? That's another issue. Um, right. Ted Ginn, who is a punt returner, right? A glorified punt returner. So that adds a dimension. Um, you have receivers who block well with, with, with uh, Kotchery and, and, and Devin Funchy just by way of being massive. Massive, uh, yeah. Sticks his nose in. So, um, you know, scheme-wise, talent-wise, they're just... I, I forgot. Someone said defenses can't even find the football, let alone attack them. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think, yeah, that's where you have, that's what's most interesting about this. You have a, in Wade Phillips, a, again, a 3-4, um, which is not your, your traditional 3-4. 3-4, we think of your nose tackle, your zero technique nose tackle, which is over the center directly, and your right. your your, um, your five technique uh, defensive ends. Um, you, you think of that. Right. And these guys are generally over 300 pounds. Your nose tackle may be at 350. Like uh, they, they used to have pot roast there, right? Terrence Knight, right. who was, I think, all of 355. Right. Uh, so normally you have these bigger guys, and they, they're two gap guys, meaning they're responsible for the gaps on both sides of the guys they're engaged, they're engaged with. Sure. Right. So really, they're there to hold the line until the offensive player, whatever they're doing, if it's a run play, commits, and then they react. So it's a read and react defense from that standpoint and really they are they're tasked with keeping their linebackers clean or free of the blockers so they can flow then you have your outside backers typically your weak side backers your rush linebacker right really almost a defensive end you think mario williams um who's in buffalo now but when he was in he was a texan and that kind of thing he kind of went from being an end to going to a stand-up linebacker when he switched to three four um so you have that but in denver you have two guys um, and Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, right? Uh, Marcus, Demarcus Ware, I think, typically has been throughout his career the weak side rush guy in Dallas when he had the big sack numbers yep. and things like that. Well, he's now playing the strong side because he had to give way to Von Miller, who Von is, Miller. You, know, you know, there's no one better at rushing the passer, right? So he's yeah. playing. I mean, he's playing out of his mind right now. He's in his prime. Von yes. Miller is. And coming off, he had an ACL, I believe, the year before last. He's come back fully from that. So yep. you're looking at two guys who get after the quarterback. And this is a one-gap 3-4, meaning, first of all, the nose tackle doesn't play zero technique. He plays one technique, which means he shades the outside shoulder of the of the center. So he's able to knife. They're, they're one-gap defensive linemen. So they're going to pick a gap and go. It's about penetration, getting in the backfield, being disruptive. That's what they do. 
That's why they're a little lighter than most three fours. So you look at that and you say, okay, well, their job is to get pressure on the quarterback. And when you do pressure on everyone, not even the quarterback, but the run game as well, get in the backfield. So what do they do matching up with an offense where you have to wait and see where the ball is? Where the ball's going to go. And I was going to say, I was going to touch on that is they've been doing that all year to whatever matchups they've been dealing with. And let's go back to the most recent, Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody continues to point to the fact that Tom Brady was on his heels. He was off balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they were successful uh, against that offensive line. Um, So they've been successful. I mean, they gave Aaron Rodgers trouble. Even though Aaron Rodgers didn't have an Aaron Rodgers kind of year, they gave him a lot of trouble when they played them. They're a tough group. And again, much like Carolina, the scheme diversity and also the talent diversity is there. Um, And it's funny that you bring up the Patriot game because that was really a um, I think uh, it really showed what their inside backers could do, who are really probably the the most unsung of uh, members of that defense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, everyone knows Akeem uh, Tlaib and, and Chris Harris Jr., you know, and TJ Ward, the secondary, who, you know, that's a pressure man to man defense. You know, those guys, um, are really almost out on an island with the center fielder, um, safety. Um, they, they play, that's a strong, they're, they're again, aggressive attacking one gap, three, four with man to man pressure defense in the secondary. And also backers, it's a lot of pressure on them to cover backs and and, and tight ends. Because remember now, in a traditional 3-4, that strong side backer, the strong side outside linebacker tends to have um, responsibility for the tight end, but not in this system. Because you want to turn Ware and Von Miller loose. You don't want them dropping into coverage the majority of the time. Right? So, again, those guys more often than not are going to be going after the quarterback. And then those, those inside linebackers, really have to be versatile. And we're talking about Brandon Marshall, not the receiver, Brandon Marshall. the Brandon Marshall. Um, and, and, and Danny Trevathan, who are yep. right. And when they switched to, I, I read some things when they switched to three, four, that was some question of whether or not they would be, they, they, they're smaller linebackers and their game is quickness and speed. So the question is, can they also play the run, especially in a one gap three, four, where you're going to have times where the linemen are going to leak out and, get their hands on those inside backers and they have been more than adequate they played great football and that's really I think what made their defense I don't want to say what made it but that really solidified them right um, because if that was if that was supposed to be the weakness of the defense they've really stepped up and um and I've heard their name a lot this year. I mean, yes. really mentioned yep. a lot uh, <laughs> and, and how well they have done. So, Denver, yeah, it was a pleasure to watch the All Twenty Two. Yeah, uh, it, it really was. And yeah, you can. And if you look at that Patriot game, because the Patriots do a lot with their backs and their tight end. Obviously, we know all about that, right? And again, the weakness is, is supposed to be the middle of the field. In yeah. This and they um, did well against that. I mean, we're talking with right. and that's the strength of the Patriots with their yes. short passing game um, with Amendola and uh, everyone. The other one. The, the I other refuse one. to mention. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm awesome. gonna throw this in about that. You all talk about you don't like Cam Newton. Look at yeah. Julian Edelman's behavior. Yeah. If I hear one more classless comment, um, and I'm not calling Edelman classless by any means, but anyone else calls Cam Newton classless, I'm getting ready to throw down. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, we're not going to go off into that, at least not yet. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I digress. Yeah, we get, we no. get fired up about that, as you all know. Yeah. As you all the, know strength, the strength of the Patriots is that medium passing game, middle of the field. Yes. Amendola running through this, the middle. Amendola, um, Edelman. And, and James and, White. And, and the big boy. Right. And that's and the James thing. White causing issues. Yes. And that was really those inside backers. I mean, again, we have to understand the Patriots don't just run their running back into the flat. They're not a safety battle. They right. run them on routes. Routes. Yes. Right. Okay. Whether it be a wheel route or they're in tandem 
you know, because you get the, 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 the rubbing action with them. They do a lot of that where you'll have the running back run underneath the outside receiver who may be running some kind of inside breaking route. And he'll run underneath that. You'll kind of get that rub action and yeah. one, run that, that wheel route. And those backers have to trail that and play the ball. And they are outstanding at that. Yeah. Now, again, that's all well and good. But on the flip side, because you're you're turning your outside linebackers loose to blitz, and you're playing that one gap like we talked about, where the, everyone's trying to get penetration. If you break that first wave, okay, in your run game, you have those two backers standing in between a big play. Yeah, it's those two guys, okay. And and if, it, just to make a comparison, in 2008, I believe when Wade Phillips was in Dallas as the coordinator, and they, you know, they again, it's the Wade Phillips D. Demarcus Ware was there at the time. Does anyone remember the December 20th game against the Ravens where LaRon McLean and Willis McGahee had a field day against Dallas? I'm not sure anyone does, but I believe McLean went was like at 180, 170 in that game, and and, and Willis McGahee had 108 yards on eight carries, and McGahee had 77 yard 77 yard run. And McLean had an 82-yard run. And that really showed where that defense can be exposed scheme-wise. Right. But Wade has different horses in this defense. Okay, the talent is just, it's remarkable. And that's why this is the matchup I'm focused on. Where Can they come up with something that allows those guys to still play aggressive football and not get exposed, and that is so difficult to do with the diversity in the Carolina Panther run game. Carolina offense, yeah. Right. That's the matchup. I'm not even going to get in the Cam's ability to pass the ball. Right. That is just, I mean, because, you know, we'll be here all night, but we all know what he can do from the, well, I hope we know by now what he can do from the pocket. Um, so, I tell you, I, I said the same thing, too, when we were talking, Scout, that I hope people can see this ability, this pocket passer ability mm-hmm. to stand back there, read the defense, make a throw, and let Ted Ginn drop it or hit his chest and drop <laughs> it. <laughs> Sorry. No, Ted Ginn has caught some balls this year. He's definitely yeah. dropped some balls. But okay, my he's point done. is yes. yes, Cam Newton is doing everything as good as you can do as far as that pocket passer mentality of reading and, and making the tight throw, uh, we use that ter- the the window, the tight the window. Tight window throw, no yes. one throwing into a, a window smaller than Cam this year. They're, right. They're, I don't care what you say. Nobody. The guys played outstanding. Yeah, and and Wade Phillips in his presser, like I said, compared him to Ben Roethlisberger mixed with a running back, basically. And I'm paraphrasing, but so with a you know where back. with a yes. feature back, and you know where Ben is as a passer. Right. Okay, he, he again, Wade Phillips has been around a long time. He said Cam Newton is an elite pocket passer. So all of you people that don't want to cop to that or accept it, I'm sorry. It's time. It's time. Yeah, accept it. And I'm sorry, you know, all you people that are upset by him, you got years of this coming. I, I feel bad for you. I do. Well, and that's the other thing, too, uh, Scott. You wanted, I, we were talking, you mentioned something to me. I'd like you to talk about it, too. Um, the turning point. Oh, with Cam? Yeah. Because yeah, I've been a Cam. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been um, a Cam, been a Cam. fan a long time. So you yes. weren't you aren't just hopping on this train now. Uh, we both like Cam. Actually, you turned Cam, me on to Cam years ago now, but when mm-hmm. he first started coming to the league. But I was I was a doubter, and I had my doubts, and then you started talking to me and showing me some things, and i am definitely been on a train for a long time now. So, But there was like that turning point that you talked about. Yeah, there are two plays that, that stick out in his career for me. Um, and first of all, I would like I, I want to I want to talk about what it takes for a guy who's that gifted athletically to make the decision that I'm going to master the craft of the position. And I talk about this a lot. Um, he bought into that from day one, and this is counter to every negative thing that's said about him, the narrative. I mean, we see running quarterbacks, and the temptation is, okay, hey, my guy's not open. I'm just going to take off here. We see it with Russell Wilson, right, even though he's improving in that area, but we see it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with the Michael Vicks, and we talked about those guys, right? Robert Griffin III, um, where they, they rely on that running game, that ability to run, and it, it use it as a crutch. They don't you know, work as hard to become that, that pocket guy, elite from the pocket, because why should I? 
Right. So first of all, it takes some humility to say, hey, I'm going to sit down and learn. First of all, I need to learn. That's number one. And this is people in general. I have to examine myself and say, hey, I'm not as good as I need to be in this area. And he's done that. And I want to. Okay. And he took the. Exactly. And really do the work. Okay. So I just want to throw that in. Yes. I'm going to throw that in just because of these stories about him and this negative press. I'm going to throw that in. You cannot become what he's become. If the, all the things you all say about him are true, it's impossible. Right, that's so, correct. Without that hard right. work, it, there's no way he could be what he is. Right. You're absolutely right. It that's a great humility. point. It takes humility to to do that. So having said that, the two plays that stick out in my mind. Okay, the first play um, was 2011, week three in, at New Orleans. No, they were at home. They were in Carolina. New Orleans Saints came into town. And the Saints were up 10 nothing first quarter. And this is when the great Steve Smith, ice up, son. Yep. Uh, was was there playing at an elite level. I believe he was it was almost a career resurgence because of Cam Newton. Um could actually get him the ball. But there was a play down ten nothing, like I said, um a third and eleven play. Okay, on their own forty six and three twenty nine on the clock. And Cam Newton drops back, gets some pressure. Okay. okay. And we talk about it all the time. When you get pressure from the edges, you climb in the pocket. So Cam does that. And the instinct though for guys like that that have that athletic ability, like we said, I climb the pocket, their body's around me. I'm taking off. I'm taking off and running, right. And he thought, he considered that, because you can see him kind of break down into, I'm, 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 ta- I'm getting out of here. But then he locates Steve Smith and throws almost a jump pass, I think 35 yards. <laughs> and Steve Smith just makes a mammoth play, goes up and gets it, takes it away yeah. from the defensive back and scores, right? Then you had the incident in the end zone. The guy hit him late, which you never want to do with Steve Smith. Cause right. I don't know why people mess with, mess with him know. at this yeah. point. And then he, you know, that if you want to go and watch that replay of what he did to the guy after he hit him late, by all means, well, I'm not going to get into that, but right. it wasn't a good move for him. But, Steve Smith. Yes, he did. But um, the reason that stuck out, my, sticks out in my mind is that was that the, the manifestation of what he was physically. Okay, that is the elite athleticism, the size, every the big arm, everything was in that play to show me, hey, this guy's working with tools that no one has. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to say mentally. I'm going to add mentally as well because it goes back to that decision whether to run or not. Yes. Where he was uh, in his growth as a quarterback. And uh, that you're right. Add, like we talked adding about. the mentality to the physical and putting it all together – which created yes. that beautiful play. Yeah, and and uh, it's funny. Um, you know, I don't. I, we used to play John. I don't play Madden anymore. But in Madden, you know, it used to be like with the with the quarterback. You know, when he runs, the passing windows go down. Yes. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of the analogy, right? Right. Where right. Once a running quarterback decides to run, they're no longer looking at what's going on down the field as as, as far as passing the football. Yeah. But he was even in his infancy. Twenty eleven was about his second year. Coming off of that big rookie, I believe it was. You saw a guy who, even when they had an inkling or it was like, uh, I need to get out of here, I need to get out of here, you're still looking to find guys. So that's number one. But that really showed me, hey, this guy is on another level physically. Right. Okay. Then comes the other um, indicator. And this is what I will, I will call when I knew he was not just going to be um, a freak athlete and a, 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 a really good quarterback or whatever you want to attach to him to define it. I knew he was going to be great. And the yeah. thing about this, this is a negative play. This was um, 2014. Yep. Okay. Uh, last year, a second round in Seattle. Okay. Which I believe they, they really had a hard time in Seattle. <laughs> last year yes. But at this point, it was 24 to 10. This was a fourth quarter play. Um, second and four on Seattle's 13. Okay, 6-11 left on the clock, fourth quarter, like I said. So, and he, he drops back the pass, and he starts on his his to his left. That's his progression. He starts to his left, um, which I believe at this point was the weak side. Don't hold me to that. I'm not sure uh, which hat they were on. But he started on that side. Guy wasn't open, so then he works toward the middle. Guy's not open. Now, at this point, he's gone through two reads. Most of these running guys, say like a Russell Wilson, at that point, boom, I'm getting out of here. Oh, you're giving Russell Wilson two reads? That's, uh, that's trolling. GM's trolling. He has gotten better, GM. We have to give him some credit. He's not, a, he's not our favorite guy, but he's improving in that area. And he's, 
I'm not going to go off to the Russell Wilson thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, That's but, my fault. That's for all fine. you Russell Wilson people, I'm not saying he, we're not saying he's, well, I'm not. The GM may be a little different. He is improving, and you saw that improvement. So don't, don't, we see it. Okay. Yeah, I expect a regression from him. That end of the year, <laughs> I, I, do, I do expect a regression from him. But anyway. I'm a little sorry. more hopeful than the GM. But, again, go. we're through two reads, like I said. And most of the, if not all running guys, are like, I'm getting out of here. Because it's easy. To, it, for guys that are athletic, it, it's 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 really, you know, that's a gain. I'm going to make a gain here. I may even score. Yeah. But Cam Newton decided to come all the way back across the field and throw to the backside. Okay. Now, the thing about that decision is the problem here was that he threw blindly. Okay. But let me tell you what this shows What this shows me. One, he's willing to go through his progressions. Two, he knows where his guys are. You got to know where they are to throw blind. Yeah. Even though you're not supposed to do it, he has to know, okay, that means I'm in my playbook. I know what's going on schematically. That right. shows work. Now again, he, he threw blindly. Right. right, he threw blindly, and who was laying in wait? Cam Chancellor, who picked it off and ran it back for the pick six. Now most people see that and go, "Oh, terrible play!" And it, <laughs> well, it was a bad play, but it showed me what was to come. Okay, it showed me that he doesn't take the shortcut, which most guys are going to do. Like I said, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to make a game. I may even score. And for the time being, that's the play, and everyone looks at that. And says, "Oh, the great play! Oh, you know that's that's a great play!" And, and they and they laud the player for doing that. Like again, like Russell Wilson, not judging it, but you know they'll 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 say, "Hey, right. that was a great play." Whereas Cam Newton's play was a negative play. Never should have done it. He's not as good. Now, when I look at that, I say, "This guy is learning the position, and he's willing to take the long route." Okay, for the ultimate reward, which is development into an elite pocket passer, which in the long run, and we're talking a decade left on this guy's career, you know, health, if his health cooperates, um, a guy that's willing to sacrifice a moment like that mm -hmm. for a decade of elite play and to turn into what he is a year later where several coaches Pete Carroll has gone on record. We talked about Wade Phillips and the Daniel Jeremiah NFL Network, who is who's worked for NFL teams and scouting departments, have said they've never seen anything like him as far as a dual threat. Never. So again, that those are the two plays that stick out in my mind. And that Cam Chancellor play when he picked it off, again, when he came back to Ed Dixon on the backside and threw it blindly, which is a no-no, but it showed me this guy is trying to become what he's willing to do. Right? Yes, what he's willing to do to become great. Yes. So, I'm glad you, you prompted me for that. If you know, if anyone has um, game rewind, you can go search those things out and take a look for yourself if you want to. But that's what really, especially the Cam Chance to play. That's what really showed me, hey, this guy's going to be something special. Uh, just because of, like I said, the willingness to sacrifice and to make a mistake to, in the long run, get better. And like you said, with the work that he put in, and just a year later, putting it all together right. now, and here right. we are, Super Bowl week, and we're talking about Cam Newton, uh, favorite to to beat the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. That's that's the fruit of the tree of mm -hmm. the work that you put in. Yep. So, um, I, I, that's enough for me, I think, today, uh, GM. I think what do you so. think? You got anything? No, I think we've covered it all. I, I, we gave that general. I, I don't know. I, again, we don't do this, but it's a Super Bowl. Let's do something special. So I think what you're telling me is mm -hmm. crystal ball time. Yeah, crystal ball I, time. yeah, crystal ball. Give me. Yeah, you gotta rub your crystal ball. But I think you've kind of said it. Is the way that you broke down this matchup is you see Carolina winning this game. You take yes. Uh, uh, if I had to, yes, I would take Carolina. And again, the thing is. What does Wade Phillips have up his sleeve? And will they be able to, again, play defense like they've played it in the face of this, this, this offensive scheme that they're going to yes. have to face, which they haven't right. seen anything like this? Which never mind getting to the to the point of attack and making a tackle. It's being able to first locate where the ball is, right. whose hands the ball is in, so you can attack it. That's that's really layer one. And it's not your your basic play action. This is the ball could be in any one of three people's hands. Right. 
And it'll be interesting to watch. This will be leading up to this game. This will be interesting to watch. So I think we've we've both made our prediction of, and Carolina's favored by five and a half. So we're not going off on any crazy, you know, uh, you know, doing anything crazy here. But we're we're both picking the favorite team. But breaking it down a little more, it really comes helps the perspective. So um, yeah, right. But again, for all the Denver folks, I do want to say Wade Phillips is. I mean, do we need to say Wade Phillips is a great defensive mind? I don't think yeah. we need to say that, but he yeah, is. No. So yeah. I, it, it would not surprise me for him to have something up his sleeve. And that's what not I was going to say. Yep. Let's right. see what happens in this game. Right. This will be the fun part. Now, that's we broke right. it down, and right. be the fun part will be, you know, I know a lot of people get caught up in the Super Bowl and the parties and the chips and the salsa and all that fun stuff, and you're <laughs> around your friends. And you're, the commercials. You know, commercials, yeah. That's commercials. Right. Yes. So I think the scout and the GM, we have some fuel here mm-hmm. to look at in this game to see how if there's any adjustments made for this scheme in this scheme, or do they run with the same type of mentality and the same scheme that that's got them here to this point? So right. Yeah. So again, we're focused on Carolina offense versus Denver defense. It's a heavyweight match. I'm looking forward to it again. I'm not always into the Super Bowl, but this one, just for that reason. It's going to be great to watch, and we will see. And again, like I said, again, we're picking. If we have to pick, we're taking Carolina. Yep. With the understanding that Wade Phillips, if anyone can come up with something, he can, especially yep. with the person that he's playing with, because they are great on that side of the ball, like we talked about. So, um, Denver folks, look, we made our predictions, but don't hang it up. Oh, yeah, no, we know. Not, it's one that. of those things we won't know until we know, until we see it. That's so, right. We know how this can go. Yeah, so, but again, you know, as far as that goes, I would love to see Cam get one. You know, we love Cam here. Yeah. Um, we talked about that incessantly. So, hey, um, we beat this to death. Yep. I think it's um, time. Yeah. I think I, we said it all. Yeah, so enjoy the Super Bowl, folks. Um, Have fun. What else is there to say? Yeah, enjoy your chips and salsa, too. Again, Thanks you know, that's. Yeah, no, we, we, we kid. Enjoy your, your, your commercials and your halftime, too. Just have fun with it. But also, at the same time, keep an eye on these matchups because it, it's it's a fascinating thing. And it'll be fun there, too. Yeah, it will. Yeah, you definitely All right. will. All right, you got anything else, GM? That's it, Scout. I'm done. All right, so we're out of here. All right. Thanks, Connoisseurs. Have a good one. Listen to Connoisseurs of Sport every Monday at dailydynamic.com.